And why do they sound like they're a 13 year old kid? I'm not going to answer that. I'm going to use Aaron Rodgers. I'm not going to answer that. Even if I knew the answer, I'm not telling you. Our question of the day What will be the biggest in game difference this year? This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Trevor Maddich back for another Maddich Monday following a huge win for BYU over Baylor. Trevor, what was the best part of your weekend overall? It was the entire day. I mean, it was a great slate of games. It was a a lot of excitement, massive upsets. Alabama almost went down to Texas. And then to cap it off with that late game, BYU takes Baylor into double overtime and pays it off with an emotional victory. I mean, from start to finish, it was a great day of college football. Our question of the day is, what's the best thing you saw in the game? Resilience. Baylor thought that they could beat BYU into submission. I mean, they ran the ball 52 times, average less than three yards per carry, but 52 times thinking that eventually they would break the Cougars' will. The Baylor defense was incredibly aggressive and physical as well, thinking they could break the Cougars' will. But for every punch that the Bears threw, the Cougars threw a punch right back, and they took them to the very end. And neither team had a broken will. But both teams were just incredibly brutally physical. And I would throw into that mix the almost physical nature of the crowd. I mean, the Rock to to provoke two false start penalties on Baylor's last failed series in double overtime, they get a big part of the credit as well. This was just a, a resilient, physical, brutal victory. We're with ESPN's Trevor Maddich on BYU Sports Nation. Trevor, when you look at individual performances, which individuals jumped off the screen to you from BYU? Well, Chase Roberts came out of nowhere, didn't he? And I tell you, you've got to go with Jaron Hall as well, getting him the ball. But that first touchdown that he scored on the left side of the end zone, that toe tap to score, I mean, that was, I mean, my eyes got as big as saucers on that one because that shows a capability that we weren't sure BYU was going to have in this game without their top two receivers. Uh, So Jaron Hall and the receivers, but especially Chase. And then defensively, for goodness sake, every time I saw a massive hit, it seemed, from the BYU defense, I looked up and it was Max Tooley. So I just kept looking up and it's Max Tooley again. And then finally, I would see big, massive hits. I wouldn't even look up. I would just think, oh, well, gee, it's got to be Max Tooley. And sure enough, often it was. Max Tooley wore a cape in this game. And I hope they have an ice bath and a massage therapist for him all week long because he earned every bit of it. Seriously, he was incredible. Uh, More big hits. Had the pick six last week. Now this week, you mentioned that the defense just showed up in a real way. And if you had said that BYU was going to rush for 83 yards, I would have said, you guys losing this game and probably handily. But no, the defense only gave up 289 yards, 20 points. Didn't have a takeaway, but BYU didn't give it away either. This was this was a physical contest, Trevor. One that you probably would have enjoyed playing in, I imagine. Yeah, it was physical, and, and it was old school from that standpoint. But the defense also got pressure on the quarterback. Now, sometimes it was a linebacker blitzing, but the defensive line was relentless in their effort. And they got a lot of, of pressure on the quarterback because of that effort. And you've got to credit the back end for that. I mean, the secondary had a lot of pressure on them because you figured that the Baylor offense was going to pound the ball and BYU would have to come up to stop the run first and put a lot of pressure on the secondary to cover. The secondary covered exceptionally well, and that gave the defensive line time to pressure that quarterback. And so all the, the defensive components came together in a synergy 
that was just phenomenal. And in doing it, they were brutal with their physicality. And so it was a, it was a great dance by the BYU defense of so physical up front and so skilled in the back end. Trevor, we discussed earlier in the show today, no Puka Nakua, no Gunnar Romney. Tyler Batty sat out the second half for BYU on that defensive line, and still the Cougars found a way to win. Now, I'm not sure where it's going to help BYU the most that they had to dig deep in a scenario like that and test the depth so early, but frankly, I feel like it will matter at some point for BYU. Why do you feel like that type of win was so critical for BYU moving forward? Well, it validated the work of the rotation. I mean, last year, the Baylor game, BYU was just out of people, and Baylor just hammered them. And this year, Batty went out, but for the most part, they were healthy up in that front seven. And they were able to keep pounding away with guys that last year had to play more than they expected to play. And that is something that, from a game day standpoint, is important lessons. But from a preparation standpoint, it's important as well. Because if you know you're going to be in there, you prepare with a little bit different focus. And so the depth of BYU that Kalani Satake and his staff have built is starting to really show up against these Power 5 teams. Normally, you'd have really good starters and a big drop-off in most positions from starter to backup. But now, not only do they have good rotations, they have competition in practice. That gets the best out of everybody because you can lose your job if you got a backup that's almost as good as you and BYU is developing that kind of a roster and it's starting to show absolutely couldn't agree more okay tell me about what a top 10 win does for a team because you played in 1984 as a senior on that team that beat number three Pitt. you'd lost Steve Young and other weapons right Gordon Hudson notably yet you guys win that game what does a win like this do for a team like BYU now who's flying up the poles you know, it seems like this gigantic mountain that you don't dare look beyond. And really, truthfully, the, the team can't look beyond it. The team has to look at the next opponent. That's it. But we, as we're looking at it from the outside in, it's like this giant mountain that who knows if they could get, get over it. And even that national championship year with Pitt, well, the entire offseason, we looked at that roster. We, you know, you've got Outland candidates, Heisman candidates, future first-round draft choices, all Americans. And we're looking at that going, you know, that we think we can go up there and compete with those guys. But nobody dared think, yeah, we're just going to go up and win that game. You know, we knew we had to fight hard to have a chance. Well, we won that game, but on the plane back, the thinking started to change. It was like, you know what? <laughs> we're good. We, we have a chance. Now, we stayed focused on each consecutive opponent. We, as a team, never looked at the schedule and said, that's a win, that's a win, that's a win. But a win like this, for us back then, for this, a top 10 win for these Cougars, is the kind of thing that you can just take a breath and say, you know what? If we keep doing the right things every day, if we stay humble and respect every part of our, our game and our opponent's game, we're really good. We can do stuff. It's a Maddox Monday on BYU Sports Nation. The Cougars make a nine-spot jump from 21 to 12. Now, allow me, if you will, a little bit to rewind, Trevor, and point out that we've all kind of felt like BYU has been underranked uh, and for much of the preseason and through the first week. Now are they where they belong? Is number 12 where BYU belongs, or do the Cougars deserve to be a couple of spots higher? Well, everything's relative, right? There might be some years where 12 is way too low. Some years where 12 is kind of high. I think right now the way that they're playing, if they if they get Batty back, if they get their top two receivers back, if their tight end room gets healthy, then this team should be ranked in the top ten. Because right now you look at, at the top of college football and there, there's one completely dominant team, and that's Georgia. There's a couple of them that look like they're going to be dominant, and that's Alabama and Ohio State. And then there's a handful of teams that have excellent things going for them, 
but then have questions that still need to be answered. And I think you can put BYU in that big jumble in the top 10 and be fair. Well, the world revolves around Florida because uh, Florida beats Utah, skyrockets. Kentucky beats Florida, skyrockets to nine. So I think BYU just needs to schedule Florida. But I do want to ask about Oregon. It's hard to know whether they're going to put that on the bulletin board. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's hard to know how good Oregon is because obviously smacked 49-3 to Georgia. Then they beat up Eastern Washington. There's kind of the low and the high in terms of points uh, per game in both those games. So what's your assessment of Oregon? Because certainly the Ducks are good. It's just hard to know how good. Oregon is really good, and they have the potential to be a top-10 team. I think BYU fans will have seen that Georgia game and think that that Oregon got obliterated. They're not that good. Well, Georgia is that good. And this, this Oregon team is solid in a lot of the ways that BYU is. I mean, Oregon has one of the best offensive lines in all of college football. Their combination defensive line and linebackers, one of the best in all of college football. It didn't show up against Georgia because Georgia is apparently on another level again. But still, this is a solid physical team. I think that you've got to look at the the quarterback for Oregon as really the linchpin. And against Georgia, Bo Nix, he didn't have the game he wanted to have. Against Eastern Washington, Bo Nix was brilliant. And if that Bo Nix shows up against BYU, then the Cougars are going to be in for a long day. So I think Cougar fans need to understand that even though BYU beat top 10 Baylor, this Oregon team is just as physical as Baylor. And I think they've got more skill in the skill positions than Baylor. So this is another tough out for the Cougars. It's been hard to beat the first two weeks of college football, Trevor. We hope that week three is just as rewarding as a fan. We thank you for the time, as always, for bringing it on Manage Monday. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending, presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. There are several juicy, dare I say, rich storylines going into the BYU-Oregon game. Yep. Among those, another top 25 matchup for the Cougars. We already talked about the $1.1 million payout, so quite literally nice. it's a rich storyline, Jaron, but there are several others. So what is the richest storyline for you heading into the BYU at Oregon game this weekend? It's to see if BYU's legit, Spence, because uh, BYU's won this game at home before. Top 10, not as much, right? But if BYU beats Baylor at home and then goes to Oregon and wins, the playoff conversation gets hot and heavy. Um, some people have mentioned, as we've discussed off-air, that, hey, that was like Cincinnati's win against Notre Dame last year. Well, Cincinnati didn't play the schedule that BYU's playing this year. Certainly it's tough. I still see as good as this team is, a couple of losses on this schedule, Spencer. I'm excited about where BYU could go. Maybe it is a special season where you can go undefeated or one loss. Historically, that's really tough. BYU's never played a schedule like this and had zero or one losses. Maybe this is the year BYU breaks out. But at Oregon is the next test, if, and if you can win that game, you are super legit, and everyone's talking about you. A lot of people are talking about BYU, which we'll get to later with Kirk Herbstreit and RG3, of course. But that's the biggest storyline. Can BYU do it again? Can BYU beat another top 25 team, another name brand, and be at the forefront of the conversation in college football? Yeah, for me, the biggest storyline is something that we brought up for a moment yesterday, and that is, can BYU continue to break out of these little slumps or funks that we've brought up as they've gone into these games? Oh, there was the Florida curse, right? Mm-hmm. Going two time zones, open up the season. It's never been good for BYU. Play worst teams in Florida. BYU, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. 
Week three has been weird for BYU. Yep. And especially on the road. Can BYU come off of an emotional high against Baylor where they had to expend a ton of energy, went to double overtime, super late game. Can they reset and get rid of this week three weird if, – if people are going to call – they're going to call it curse, whatever. Okay, Like, oh, they don't play well in week three, especially on the road. It's not going to be well. Can BYU break out of that? Okay, so I'm watching that. How do, they, how do the Cougars look, especially early in the game? Do they start slow or can they start fast? Um, against Baylor, BYU looked to start fast, put up a field goal, and, but then the rest of the half did basically nothing until Chase Roberts caught that touchdown. I feel like BYU is going to need to put up more than 10 points in the first half if they want to beat Oregon just because of how Oregon's offense is structured and how fast they move the ball. And Oregon wants to move with some pace, which is different than Baylor, right? So for me, it's can BYU break the funk of week three on the road and do so uh, in a scenario where there is some pressure and there's, there's added luster on the team and whatnot. So while well, Kingsley's a fun storyline and, you know, I can tell you what fans are caring about more than anything, and that is the Pac-12 scenario. Like, oh, man, we got, we got to maintain this 6-0 and <laughs> over the Pac-12 with Jaron Hall as the starting quarterback. Let's go! The, the Pac-12 championship storyline continues. Yep. Like, fans are absolutely wrapped up in that. And there's, Utah fans are praying that BYU loses to Oregon this weekend so that they don't have to listen to that narrative anymore. I really want BYU to beat Oregon for a million reasons, <laughs> one of which is then we can say, was it even hard? Utah did it twice last year. You know? But, hey, at Oregon is a tough game. Utah didn't have to play Oregon and Eugene last year, by the way. It was home, was it not? And then it was Vegas. So, okay, week three. Last year, coming off of the Utah game, BYU responded really well in week three. Granted, it was at home. Yeah, it wasn't at Oregon. Different scenario. But ranked team week three last year, Pac-12, BYU won that game over Arizona State. Did it require the second greatest defensive play in BYU history, perhaps, uh, from Tyler Algier? I think so. Yeah. Kyle Morrell, 84, of course, Hawaii being the first. Okay, other ones that are interesting. Don't forget, this is... This is right. I haven't looked to see the situation, but has, when's the last time BYU played an afternoon game on the West Coast? National TV, Fox. This is big time. Like, this is a huge game for BYU being featured in that way. Other things of note. Um, Kalani Sitake has coached against Oregon quite a bit. Don't forget, at Utah, he was the D.C. They played Oregon several times. He was at Oregon State. His last game coaching at Oregon State was against the Ducks in the Civil War. He's been there, done that quite a bit, right? Also, the Orem High guys unite. Noah Sewell with the Ducks, with Kingsley, Puka, Jacob Robinson, and Ethan Slade. Guys that won multiple state championships at Orem. A bunch for BYU, now against Noah Sewell. Um, Other ones of note. Kalani Sitake, don't forget, we haven't mentioned this yet. Interviewed for the Oregon Oh, I haven't forgotten. Last year. What did it do? It got him a raise at uh, Brigham Young University. And, uh, of course, the series history. 3-3, tied up. Uh, last, last time BYU played in Eugene, 90, tied at Murray. BYU loses 89. Epic matchup, which, by the way, I haven't, I haven't verified this, but I read one article that said the 900-plus yards that Bill Musgrave and Ty Detmer combined for in 89 in Provo, the most in NCAA history Ooh. at the time. Don't forget, the last meeting for these two teams was in the Vegas Bowl. I ran Parab. For ESPN, that's how long ago it's been. Um, and BYU won by 30. And in the series history, notably 3-3, the point differential is Oregon by one. Yep. How about that? So this, this is way – last night I tweeted it out. I was like, this is way richer in storylines, pun intended, than I ever imagined BYU and Oregon could be. Obviously Kingsley uh, playing his old team. He said he's got cousins, brothers, but – these are his brothers now in blue, and BYU's on a mission to go in there. And I wonder, Spence, if BYU can, like you said, start fast, 
And I expect the run game and Christopher Brooks, who has played against Oregon. I watched Christopher Brooks play for Cal against Oregon in 2019. I just realized that will be BYU's quarterback in a couple years. Um, can they overcome the hostile crowd in Austin? Which, by the way, we're told there are 2,200 tickets available. Yep. Students don't get don't start the semester until the 27th. Uh, apparently in Eugene. So go buy tickets if you're go. close to Eugene. Anywhere near Port, please, please Portland go Indians. buy tickets if the, you're close to Eugene. 503 is going to show up in this game. Watch, like you'll be there. The 503 BYU fan base will be there. It's going to be awesome. Maybe we've overlooked the biggest storyline, Jerem. Oh, that boy. is that BYU is an underdog. BYU, as the 12th ranked team in the country, is a four-point underdog, and maybe that's going to grow to even more going to Watson. Why? Why is BYU an underdog? Is home field for the Oregon Ducks worth that much? And do people know something that we don't? Are they buying in on... What are they buying into? Yes. BYU hasn't played well early in the season against Pac-12 schools on the road. Perhaps that's a storyline. Uh, how much is Autzen Stadium's atmosphere worth, especially if the students don't start classes until the 27th? Like, yeah, why? They'll be there. The students why will be there. Whether is, the rest of the stadium will be Why is BYU an underdog? I feel like that's a huge storyline. It's a good question. 20 uh, straight home games uh, won, third longest streak in the country. Uh, 29 straight non-conference home. There you go. Streak. Like it, that's a big therein, deal. Therein lies the that's answer. That's a big deal. Therein yep. lies the answer for those people that are looking at just tradition and histories and all of the little things that go into preparing for a matchup. That right there. Okay. So you answered the question it, straight up. It, that is why BYU Oregon at home, Oregon at home is really tough to beat. 29 consecutive non-conference wins at Austin Stadium. Now remember last year, Oregon shot up the polls into the top 10 after they went to Columbus and won. So the Utah win over Oregon at the time was a big deal. And then later it's like, well, Oregon kind of faded at the end of the year. Oregon went to Stanford and lost. Like, Oregon's capable of losing this game. But so is BYU. BYU's certainly got to show up and, and go get this. But I believe that BYU's going to be able to run the ball in a way that they couldn't against Baylor. I think that's as bad as it gets for the BYU mm. run game all year. I think BYU's going okay. to be able to establish the run. Remember that Jaron Hall is a confident dude against almost well, anybody, because like we said yesterday, he's 7-1 and one versus P5. It's like, what scenario is Jaron walking into where he goes, you know what, I don't, I don't think I have it or we have it today. No, no, no. This is the most confident, best leader BYU's had in a while. Like, he's waited three years to get his chance last year, really responded, played through, played through rib injuries in multiple games, even, even played after he was still hurt and had to come back early because Baylor Romney was injured. Now he walks into another validating moment where a guy that uh, recruited him, Ty Detmer, is uh, last loss for BYU there. There's some vengeance for BYU to go into Eugene and avenge that game from 1990. The stakes are high. He knows the ranking is poison, as he told me in the film room. I think BYU is really prepared for any challenge they have this year, which are many. Notre Dame in Vegas, Arkansas at home, at Boise State, where BYU's only won once. Sneaky games at Liberty, even East Carolina at home, as, as you've mentioned, sneakier with how they played against NC State and so on. This team's prepared to show up, just like they did on Saturday. But that wasn't a one-off to me. That wasn't a, we get up for this game, but we don't get up for that game. I, I think this will continue to validate the Baylor win if BYU goes in in there and win because if you're really good you go on the road and you win yeah but even if you lose again depending on how BYU plays the game what if Oregon kicks a field goal last play of the game and they beat BYU if all of a sudden is BYU not legit respectable loss right is BYU no like BYU is still legitimate it stings it hurts it kind of takes away 
uh, a big part of BYU being in the true national college football playoff conversation because that will start if BYU beats Oregon. Right. And, and Whether you want it or not, is that, that's going to start. Is the playoff the end game? To me, no. The realistic end game is a near six possibility. you got to have one loss or no losses. But I would take 10-2 and two in the regular season. I really would. That would be incredible. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Cougar Whip Around is presented by Marist, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Kirk Herbstreit named Kalani Stockton Spence as one of his top five coaches of the week. Chase Roberts, one of his top performers. Uh, performers. Also, Roberts got mentioned by RG3, one of my favorite analysts. He's great. That's one of his top performers. And BYU has a team to watch. Which is the best validation? I think it's Kalani Satake being number three on Kirk Herbstreit's top five coaches because Kalani Satake embodies the whole program. It's not just an individual thing. I love RG3. He's not quite on the level of Kirk Herbstreit when it comes to analyzing college football, so it just resonates more because Herbie, in a lot of ways, is college football. Kirk Herbstreit, for sure. Uh, RG3 is an emerging voice in the game, for sure, but... No, Herbie's the analyst, right? The number one. Yeah, and when you say the head coach, what he's really saying is, look. The program. The, the program. The program under Kalani The culture Satake. as well. Absolutely. Which right now is just fantastic. The following tweet was pinned to the top of the Big 12 Conference Twitter page. I'm going to read it for you. Quote, our future is bright. From ESPN PR, the Baylor-BYU game on Saturday was ESPN's best late-night game since 2016 with 2.4 million viewers. Jeremy, double-barreled question for you. Okay. How big of a deal is it that the Big 12 Conference posts these type of tweets and these numbers, and how big of a deal is it that future Big 12 posts these viewership numbers? It's not a big deal that they posted it. They're proud of it. They're excited. It's a new member with its existing champ, so no deal because, hey, they should be doing that. But that viewership number is big time. It was a ranked matchup. It was in this unique window, which we've come to appreciate. At first in Independence, we all complained. They're not in the afternoon anymore. Like, we felt that way, unless it's Utah Tech on BYU TV coming up in November. But, yes, this is where we live, baby. 8.20 kicks local time here. Big 12 homies, get used to the 920 kick. And if you're UCF or West Virginia, 1020 on the East Coast. It's a big deal that they hit 2.4 million viewers. It really is. Big 12 after Great dark. Number. Bank on it. You can bank on Big 12 after dark. And it's viewable. Yes, Unlike it certain networks. Yes, it is. Extra points, Matt Brown, friend of the program, confirms from the contract that BYU will receive 1.1 mil from Oregon for this week's game scheduled back in 2015. How much of that 1.1 mil would you give back for a win? All of it. Every single penny of it I would give back because now BYU is 3-0. They're in the top 10. They're riding high. They're coming home for two games against group of five teams. BYU is going to be 5-0 and ranked number six or seven going into the Notre Dame game. And that alone, just the notoriety around that is worth $1.1 million. And it might be because it might get BYU into a New Year's Six game if they can beat Oregon. Or you're making more than $1.1 exactly. million. Exactly. That That's exactly what you're But you don't have to share with the conference. You're investing in something you think could be an even bigger payout if you throw that $1.1 million back into a win against Oregon. Agreed. And I would give all my sins to know thee for a win at Oregon. Let's go. How about this? Bronco Mendenhall's name is being thrown into the mix 
for the potential head coach job at Nebraska of all places. Well, well, well. Is Bronco Mendenhall in Nebraska a perfect fit? I feel like it would be. I really do. Like the hardworking Midwest attitude associated with Nebraska, an appreciation of history, an understanding of what it takes to win and the pressure having been at BYU. What he did at Virginia he had no pressure to win, right? But he got them to an Orange Bowl. Thank you, Clemson, for going to the national title game in the playoff. That would be an amazing fit. I wonder if he's had enough time off. I know he's doing the podcast. I would actively be paying attention to Nebraska if Bronco was. If I were in Nebraska, I would pay him whatever he wants because that is the type of personality and mentality that a program like Nebraska absolutely needs. A certain amount of discipline that yes. he restored to BYU Tom in 05. Osborne yep. built his program on discipline. They, the and legacy the was built on discipline. And guess what? Bronco has a great appreciation for the option because he knows the discipline it takes to run something like that, which is why he was so good defending against it. Bronco Mendenhall is a Tom Osborne personality. Nebraska should pay him whatever they can to get him out of retirement. I think he is a perfect fit for that program to try and resurrect a great legacy. Absolutely. When they stink, it's weird, right? BYU Football posted a five-angle video of the final play with Greg Rubel's radio call. However, the shot is overtaken by the foreground presence of one Jason Shepard. Is that a five-yard penalty, 15-yarder, or no-call after further review? You know, I've watched this clip a few times. <laughs> I don't think there was an intentional, uh, any intentional malice here, Jared. No, he's excited. There's, there's, there's nothing intentionally done here. It's just a reaction. Sometimes that happens. It was an incidental thing. We're kind of like running into the kicker. It's not like roughing the kicker. That's still a 15-yarder, though, now. This is a five-yard penalty to me. You know, just, just pure reaction in the moment, right? And in case you missed it, here it is. <laughs> Tell him, Jason. Flex those biceps. Dude. Flex Dude. those biceps. Looking massive. Did he? Did he do some push-ups in the press box? Well, it's it's no call. Listen, it's a no call. It's after it's, further, after no, few, no penalty. No call. He's good. He's good. Guess what? Some people. Sometimes people are like, "Wait, homers? What? A You're the radio call of the home team." It's fine to be homerish. Yeah. I know people don't like being called that sometimes, but absolutely. You're not catering to both teams. You're catering to your team. Yeah. No You're call. such a BYU fan as the voice of the Cougars. Yeah. Shep, it works for BYU. It's all good. It's all good. We try and respect the opponent, but obviously we cater to BYU. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Okay, welcome back to the show. We got Amber Whiting in the house, uh, women's basketball coach, first-year coach. Welcome uh, back Thank to the you. show, New Digs. Welcome. Thank you. This is awesome in here. I like it. We're, uh, we're stoked, and we're stoked that we have the non-conference schedule out for BYU now. Now that you know you got a schedule, what's it like? <laughs> is Okay, your first year, now you know who you're going to attack here. Yes, uh, we're excited. The girls have been in the gym with more intention than just during summer practices, right? Now that they see who we're playing and what we're doing. and So, yeah, we're excited to get after it. There seems to be a buzz, uh, especially in the clips that have been put out on social media mm -hmm. of practice and uh, so many new faces because you lost so many older faces. Uh, and, and the newest face of all, of course, is the boss. <laughs> How's that all gelling? Um, the girls, I mean, 
I have to hand it to them. Like, I'm not who they committed to, right? But they have, like, welcomed me. And if there's one thing I can say about them, they are, like, the hardest working group. I don't ever, ever have to coach the effort and the energy in the gym. It's just there every day which I love, so. That's nice, then you yeah. can get into the other stuff, right? Yes, That's a yes, good uh, baseline. Yes. Before we get to the, to the teams, do you remember that scene in Hoosiers when they go into the, to Indianapolis? What, what arena? They're going in to play the championship. Hinkle Fieldhouse. Hinkle Fieldhouse. Yeah. And they go in there and they shout and they hear the echoes and mm -hmm. then they measure and all that. So you've been in Burley High School for a few years mm -hmm. and now you come into practice. Do you ever stop and look around at this cavernous Marriott Center, 20,000 really plus, this? and you're like, this is my, this is my, this is my office now it's crazy every day when i walk in there it's just like this uh overwhelming feeling of just like gratefulness like this is my dream yeah and i'm living this right so i just try and soak up every moment i have little tape measure goes up yep 10 feet, <laughs> ten feet. i knew just it like yep. i knew it back in burley okay let's break down the schedule but obviously let's talk about the elephant in the room which was there mm -hmm. was a two-game series with south carolina scheduled mm -hmm. They saw initially what happened with Duke. They chose not to uh, not to schedule with BYU. I know you guys were looking forward to that game. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you've replaced that game? Certainly not of that caliber, but um, I guess what's your reaction to what they what they did with that and what you kind of replaced them with? My girls were really looking forward to that game, right? But I just talked to them about controlling the controllables. Like we just have to stay in the moment, and it doesn't matter who we play because at the time. We didn't have anybody on the table, right? But it doesn't matter who we play. We just got to get after it and go out there and fight like we would normally, like we were going to against South Carolina. So I know that it was not what they wanted, but it's okay. We'll be fine. So you get Colorado State over in Fort Collins uh -huh. on the 8th, which is a Tuesday. Is that election day or is that a week after? Yes. Ooh, probably Might election day, yeah. It's election day. There's a, and I've thought the same thing, there's a, um, a thing that you can submit but I give them a day off that week prior so they have their... To vote, because yeah. yes. the NCAA allows the time for... Yes. The you give them a full day to check their mail-in ballot and put it in the box. Full That's day, nice. I can't touch them. It like five minutes. <laughs> I know. Uh, but you get Colorado State, and I think the first exhibition game, I counted, was like 43 days away. Does that sound right? Mm -hmm. That's not very much time. Then you're on. Yep. We're excited. Yeah. Get in the fight. What do you feel like between now and then you've got to do to be ready for that November 8th uh, opener? Um, it's getting us on the same page for a lot of things, right? And there's so much that we have to implement, and I'm learning the style and the, the um, how I can implement it, right? Because different kids learn it different ways. So I'm learning that. Um, they're learning me. They're learning my coaching staff. Like, I just feel like we're – the last week, the practices have really picked up, and things have started clicking. And that, for me, I had a little bit of anxiety at first. Like, I hope this works. And now it's working. And now I'm like, okay, let's go. Like, what's the next? Let's, you know, I just start, and my staff's always like, Amber, chill. We got time. And I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> it's September. We'll <laughs> no. be all right. We'll be all right. So would you rather be a coach that inherits a program that has won 30 straight home games or has lost 30 straight home games? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I have big shoes to fill. Like, I really do. Yeah. And they have big shoes to fill, right? Yeah. But um, anybody that comes in a gym and watches my girls, they can see they're hungry. They're getting better. Their eyes, like you could just see inside them. They're they're thirsty. They're you know they want the that yeah. coaching. They want the push. They want and they don't shy away from it, which is what I love. We're talking to Amber Whiting, the women's basketball coach here at BYU, ahead of her first season at the helm. Let's talk about who you have on the schedule. Notably, Oklahoma sticks out. That's a return game from last year in Norman. A, a tough loss for the Cougars. Uh, nice uh, multi-team event in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Well done. Well, well done. done. <laughs> Washington well done. State, that's also a, a repeat game, I believe, mm -hmm. from last year. Uh, Utah at home is always going to be a big one at Boise State. Kind of what sticks out about what you put together and what did it take to make this schedule? Um, well, I 
don't really have a lot of hands in. Like Lee does my schedule. He'll walk down. Hey, do you think about it? You know, and I kind of talk about what days of rest and where we should go. And um, but I honestly, one game at a time. That's my and that's always been my thing, right? I know where I open, Colorado State, and then I know what's coming next, but I don't go there. I just one game at a time. That's where I stick. I need you to talk about Gonzaga on February 25th. Can you break that down right now? Because it's like 31 <laughs> games at a time. What are the keys in that one? Uh, <laughs> we got a rebound. We got a. Um, what kind of schedule did you want? Because it's your first year. Mm -hmm. You lost some notable pieces, of course. You kind of have to establish uh, what's the drumbeat going to be like with you at the helm. What kind of schedule were you hoping for? I don't want an easy one, right? Like I want something that's going to push our girls so then when we hit the WCC, we're ready to go. Um, and then hopefully the goal is to make the NCAA tournament. And then when you get there, you've played those caliber teams up front. So you know what it's to expect. It's not like all of a sudden you're walking and you have never done that before. So. So non-conference, those kind of teams, Oklahoma, Washington State, Utah, and others, that's, mm -hmm. there's enough of them to feel good. And you want to put yourself in an at-large spot should you mm -hmm. get to that point as well, right? Yep. You feel like this schedule does that for you? I feel like it's good for us right now. And I feel like it, there's games that we can get that confidence, and there's also games that we got to go in and fight. So I feel like it's a good balance right now. And then does that change next year when you get in the Big 12 with a lot of certain that toughness? Obviously a tougher conference that mm -hmm. way. It's going to be, I mean, every night we're going to be out there fighting, right? So yeah. um, I do want a couple marquee games up front so that we can get ready for the Big 12. But then obviously we're going to have our MT events and things like that. So, yeah. When's the last time you've been in the Marriott Center to watch the, the women play? Last year. Was it last no, year? No, wait, two years ago. Two years, years ago. ago. So you've seen it. it. It's become an event. Yes. And it's huge. Uh, and and there have been some great atmospheres in there. The Gonzaga game last year, um, you know, felt like a men's game. Mm -hmm. And the, the whole lower concourse was in there, and the band, and and this and that. The curtain and, drop was amazing. The curtain yeah, drop, and great. and the, and uh, everything that the men get, the women now get, which is awesome, especially in all the pre, you know, lineup stuff. And and we we made comments last year of like. You know, this this has gone from, uh, you know, 25 people in the gym, mostly parents, to uh, a destination for for the rock that's still here. And they love it. And uh, so you're going to be warmly received by you'll come out and there's going to be people there. That's <laughs> um, going to be great. Yeah, we have a great marketing team. Um, we met with them yesterday yeah. as um, with the players because we want the players involved. Right. But our goal is to get 10,000 people in the stands like that's a goal right and then Natalie has this I mean amazing things that you know she's going to do things if we get that goal to get more people coming and so I just feel like we are building and going to the big 12 is going to help a lot Listen, that does not mean you need 10,000 fourth graders in that stand because you can get them you might there. have to mute <laughs> but then you there, might have to mute that game. There's, there's stuff that comes with all those fourth graders I know where you can find 10,000 screaming I know it's hey, awesome it's it's awesome if you love nursery we're talking to Amber Whiting on BYU Sports Nation tell us about uh one of your other new assistants Aaron Kalhoff who has come all the way across the country uh, been been at a lot of different places mm -hmm. probably the uh throwing the most weight around uh, on the staff I imagine as well Yes, he's hard to keep under wraps some days. <laughs> he brings a lot of energy, and that's what I need and I love, right? And so, yeah, he brings that positive energy to help the girls, like, amp up, and I love, I love what he brings. How'd you find him? Um, he had recruited my daughter back in the day, but then we had always stayed in contact just through the whole thing going through the process. And so he's somebody that I've always, you know, been easy to talk to, connected with, and so it's good. When you size up your roster and, and you have some newcomers, but you go out to practice and you look at uh, Lauren Gustin, who potentially will be the number one rebounder in the country, you can build around that. Oh, yes, of course. She's our cheat code. Like, yeah. We love her. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's amazing. How's then, her game evolved? 
Um, she's working a lot on her mid-range and her pull-ups, right? Yeah. Like, but we want to just play to her strengths, right? Like when and I when the ball goes inside, I've said to her a lot, like I don't want it coming back out unless you're double team triple. You are going up because there's a lot of times that she'll like look at it and I'm like, mm -mm, just go up. That's what I want from her. So we've been doing that. Who else do you expect to fill in right away in certain key positions, given the fact that there was a lot of experience that came back with an extra year of COVID mm -hmm. last year? I think um, with between Nani and Ari and Kaylee and our new um, Gabby that came in from ASU, mm -hmm. um, within those four guards, I got a lot of playmakers that can, you know, dish and create shots and do things. I got a lot of girls that can knock down threes. Um, Emma can stretch it really well. Rose brings so much energy. Like I got a lot of girls, a lot of pieces, and they. The beautiful thing is they play for each other in practice, right? They love the extra pass. They love the, so even sometimes I'm like eyes to the rim. Like you drive and you're looking to pass. How about drive and get your eyes up, right? So there's a lot of times where um, they play for each other so much that it's it's so pretty when it works, but there's times I'm like, come on, like, you know, just take a little selfishness. Be a little yes, selfish. Yes, yeah. yeah. When's yeah. First, the first practice? Um, September 26th, I believe. A Monday. Yep. About a week and it wasn't going to be a Monday. It wasn't when our schedule changed, right? So technically, we can still say Monday, but we have to have within our 20 hours. All the rules. All these rules you've oh had to my. learn. What's oh that been my. like for you coming from high school to college where it's like, well, now the, uh, the law book is uh, pretty My thick staff thick. on the way over here. Don't do this, this, and this. Like I'm like I know. <laughs> In this interview? Yes, this interview, because they know. Like you know what I mean? Like I can't talk about a recruit's name, or I can't do this. So there's certain like, complications yeah, even associated always, with your daughter and what we yes, can say on the air or not, yes, right? They're yeah. always like, be careful. I'm like, I know, I know. Isn't it's fun this, for us too. Yeah. yeah. Isn't this so cool though that you've one we got you got your quite an entourage in here with you this morning? But this is you're in the show now. This is crazy. This is this is the big time, and that's and what you, we said to you, you coming in this morning that. too. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> like, what they hey, said. Hey, welcome to the show, dude. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is, uh, this is different, mm -hmm. and and you deserve it, and we're excited to watch you play. Thank watch you. Watch you coach. Thank you. Well, awesome. Yeah, if you do a player coach thing, that may be uh, you know. Uh, that hasn't happened since Bill Russell. Maybe, save that for Celtics. a BYU yeah. TV game if you're going to put yourself in the lineup. If you're going to do that, <laughs> just save that for us. Yeah, we okay. can do. We we should do me, media versus media preseason or something. That's, That'd be that fun, would, right? That would be fun. I want to see Dave hucking up some threes. In a free throw competition, my money's on you over Coach Pope. I'll tell you that much. You. Yeah. That's good to know. But if it's down Same low, if he's posting you up, yeah, I'm done. That's not going to yeah. happen. I don't know if he still has the jump hook though. We'll, we'll <laughs> see. Well, Amber, we're super excited about the season. Thank Practice you. Practice September 26th, as you mentioned. First game, uh, November 8th, and there's a Westminster exhibition October 27th. Come check out as well. Good luck with everything. Thank Thanks you. for coming Thank in. Thank you. Thanks for having me Hey, on. come back more often, all right? Okay, I you will. Can, you can bring the entourage or you can just come yourself. Okay. Either way. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Round is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. So, BYU, their win over Baylor moves them up from a Tier 4 to a Tier 3 team, according to our friends at Fox. Fox is televising the game on Saturday. Would a win over Oregon move them up to a Tier 2? Kentucky, Michigan, Arkansas, Michigan State right there? I think so. If BYU beats Oregon on Saturday, the Cougars are in the top 10 next week, Dave. I, I think Absolutely. Tier 2 is appropriate there. Definitely not Tier 1. That's another level. That is, and there is a giant difference between Georgia, Alabama, and, and everybody else. Michigan State has defeated Western Michigan and Akron, so 
Real tough schedule. But the zips the didn't have any weeks. zips. They had okay. no zip. No that zip. is for They're sure. at Washington on Saturday. We'll learn a little bit about yep. Michigan. Yep, more of a challenge. BYU and Oregon, by the way. Both have played two ranked teams after this week in the first three games. Tough schedule. John Wilner released his best of the West power rankings as BYU number one. Do you agree? How can they not be here in the West? Now, that means that he's got him over USC. Mm-hmm. USC hasn't played anybody yet. I mean, Stanford, but Stanford's been down. We're not sure how good Stanford is. We'll um, see him later in the year. USC will have some tests coming up, but uh, maybe their biggest test will be how they play up in Salt Lake when, when they face the Utes. But hey, BYU beat USC last November, so if you're looking for a... I get it. I, I can see, I can see, and if BYU beats Oregon, then who out West haven't they beat? Up to this point, uh, we would just need a head-to-head with USC to really determine that this year. This year, yeah. With Lincoln Riley. But if you look at the last... As of now? Sure. Number one. Who have they not beat out here that's any good? USC is top ten because history, not because this year. And because Lincoln Riley. History and future. Yeah. Right. Not not now, although they have looked pretty good. Yeah, well, the future is actually not going to be as good as it was in the Pac-12. They're going to get... It's a tougher conference. It'll be a much tougher conference. But yeah, number one in the West. And, and a win Saturday solidifies it and puts BYU in the top 10. There aren't many top 10 teams in the West anymore. Nope. Uh, USC's hanging out in there and, and hey. Is Oklahoma considered a Western team by those on the East Coast? I don't think so. I right? don't think so. But Ohio is still called the Midwest by everybody. That makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> Midwest in 1850. <laughs> yes. All right, Mountain West Conference Commissioner Craig Thompson announced he's going to step down at the end of the year. Looking back, uh, what would you like to thank Commissioner Thompson for as he retires? For helping get BYU eventually to the Big 12 by leaving the Mountain West Conference and having the same TV money deal with Wyoming. Uh, obviously, there was some issues between Craig Thompson and BYU. Cougars, though, formed the Mountain West, as you mentioned, uh, with Craig Thompson uh, in 99. They chose Craig Thompson. Eventually, things went sour with the inability to rebroadcast. Uh, on this channel and other issues, and ultimately the hairdo, as some call him. He, uh, he, he kept the Mountain West relevant despite BYU, TCU, and Utah leaving. And uh, yeah, best luck in retirement. But the mountain is really the sore spot among the Cougar fans, of course, not being able to watch their games nationally and in HD. BYU helped create that monster of the mountain, uh, and it didn't work out for them. Uh, so part of that's on BYU back in the day when they, BYU and Utah put the Mountain West Conference together. And they brought in Craig Thompson. Um, and so, here's the guy you're dancing with. You, you asked him out. Uh, I thought he did a lot of really good things. Uh, in the end, I thought he listened to the wrong people. You can't listen to Wyoming and Colorado State and, and ignore BYU and, and even Utah. You just can't. Um, because then BYU-Utah are going to leave. And look what you're left with. He turned around yep. to Boise State. And he did everything for Boise State he should have done with BYU. But BYU probably would still be in the league today, uh, preparing for the Big 12, hopefully. Big, they didn't just get invited because they were independent. Right. But um, So a lot of credit to him, but, but also there's some faults, and none of us are perfect. He just listened to the wrong guys at the wrong time, and it cost him the marquee team in the league. But after that, he's managed to keep that group together. No, I so. do need to ask him what product he uses in the hair. That needs to happen. <laughs> well, you, he may, you may rival him. <laughs> what you he's got, he's got more poof than I do. <laughs> uh, tonight marks the beginning of Thursday night NFL games exclusively on Amazon Prime Video with the Chargers at the Chiefs. How closely should BYU fans and Big 12 fans be watching the success of those games? First, got to find it. And on Amazon Prime Video. Yeah, yeah I, gotta go, I gotta go there. Maybe I have to subscribe. I don't know. I haven't really thought Tell me you're through. older without tell, telling me you're older, Dave. <laughs> My wife will take care of it. <laughs> New media has to be 
discovered and followed. And yep. so, yeah, I think we should be interested in seeing. The game's going to look the exact same. The same professionals. Yes. Al Michaels is the play-by-play -play guy, so it's going to sound and look the NFL. same. Yeah. Uh, but as far as access to it, um, that's the key. And if that is the road toward more fan access, and you know the Big 12's looking at everything, they're open for business, um, why not? So what I want to do is I want to be able to watch my team whenever I want. And I think now we're to the point where it's like, it doesn't just have to be on ESPN for it to be legit. Can I see it wherever I'm at? And here's an avenue where Amazon Prime's going, see it with us. It's really a question of uh, money here because I don't think that the Big 12 is gonna go with an Amazon Prime for its primary provider, perhaps secondary tertiary, a specific game, right? The Friday night game of the week from the Big 12 if they wanna do something like that or a Thursday. But uh, yeah, ultimately, uh, you probably want your primary on ESPN just for the access. You want your first three games on the big shit. Yeah, Fox in there as well. I would imagine that will stay. That's what currently is. But I wonder if Amazon Prime gets into uh, the college game. And certainly there's an opening with the Big 12 coming up uh, in two years. If it's a bust with the NFL, because the NFL's taking a gamble here, because Thursday nights used to be on NBC or Fox, Amazon paid enough to buy out the bust. So the NFL's making so much money from them, they're willing to go, yeah, we'll give you Thursday night. That's how committed Amazon is to making this work. And so then if it doesn't, the NFL doesn't lose. You know, they're getting a boatload of money and then they can go, well, okay, we're gonna go back to one of these other guys. And so they, I think everyone's watching this. And they got rings of power at a bill. Yeah. Which yeah, I've been watching and it's fantastic. It's been worth every penny that I didn't have to spend. I just uh, watch it. Shout out to the brother-in-law who's got the actual account, right? All right. Who actually owns a Netflix account? Is everyone bumming off everyone else? <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't. It's in my house. I don't even know where it came from. But I, I don't, I don't. Uh, one of the hidden talents of the late Queen Elizabeth, who recently passed, Wee Bowling. That was just revealed yep. from, from the castle. Uh, she apparently loved it, played against her grandsons. Uh, she was given a gold Wii console. Gold? Gold. What's the queen? She's the queen. Uh, if you uh, were to have something gold-plated, what would it be? Like replica gold plates would be nice. Book of Mormon. Also a gold-plated grill. I would wear that on this program uh, at least once a week. Yeah, that's what I would do. What would you do? You'd have a gold-plated grill? Yeah, dude. Like 50 cent or what? Yeah, 50 cent, but yeah. 50 cent, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I wouldn't, I don't know what I'd do. <laughs> I don't know. I think you can do I just, whatever you want. It. I just take it to the bank, put it there, just wear all. Is gold still worth something? Yeah. Is that a, is that a thing? Like I have no idea. They're still looking for it. So it's worth more than Bitcoin. Good. I have no clue. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. All rise and shout. It's time for what's trending. The Baylor win was tough, Dave. It really was. A double overtime grinder where neither team ran for three yards a carry. It uh, wasn't uh, 1980s whack. No. Uh, it, it was not that. Now the Cougars face a 25th-ranked Oregon team seeking its first FBS win for its new head coach, Dan Lanning, formerly the uh, D.C. at Georgia in that amazing defense last year. Boy, did he get a look at his old guys in the first game. Yeah. Uh, Third-best home win streak in the country at 20 games. Oregon's really tough uh, at home. Is the Oregon game going to be tougher for BYU than the Baylor game? I think it'll be tougher in the – different, for sure. Tougher because it's on the, on the road for BYU. We saw what the crowd did to Baylor when they had to do it. We've seen what the crowd did to Arizona State, what it did to Utah, what it did to Virginia in the second half last year. 
BYU's rock is, is part of the game. Well, Oregon's got a crowd, too. Their decibel level's way up. The students aren't in until the 27th. They start way uh, late. The, yeah. I should have gone to Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> that whole Pac-12 thing. <laughs> Jeez. Is, they're a little bit late to everything. Um, but uh, I, nice. th I think it'll be interesting uh, to see the crowd. BYU will have some fans in there. But it won't be anything, of course, like a, like a home game. Um, but I do like Jaron Hall as the quarterback in that setting, if there's ever a, a calming element on the football team or whatever, it's him. He doesn't turn it over. He beats those guys. He's 7-1 and one against P5s. Um, I, I, I like him leading the team in there, and I think they have a very good chance to win the game. If it was uh, one of the younger guys, then it'd be like, well, I'm not sure what's going to happen. But Hall marches in with a plan, and he executes it. Uh, and, and so it's another toss-up game. I thought Baylor was the toss-up game coming in, and uh, neither team turned it over. Uh, some missed kicks and go to overtime. Seems to be that's how a toss-up game should end, the last possession. So we'll see. What do you think? I think uh, Baylor is a better team than Oregon, so when it comes to just straight up on the field, that part, no, I don't think it's tougher. But I do think it's tougher because if you say, well, Oregon is a very good team. I don't know if Oregon's great, but they're certainly good to very good, right? Yeah. It's hard to know with the two extremes against Georgia and Eastern Washington. Georgia, you, you get a field goal. Eastern Washington, you score a touchdown on the first nine drives. Like, domination. 40 first downs, by the way, a program record for Oregon. So it's, it's hard to know. But this we do know. It's going to be a tough road venue. It's an afternoon game on a Saturday. Uh, you know, BYU's built to win whenever, but especially on Saturday night at home. But I like what you talked about there. Um, Jaron Hall and this team are not going to give in to the poison of being ranked 12th. Remember, BYU was 5-0 and ranked 10th last year, surprised by Boise State. There would be no surprise here. Oregon is known for its speed, of course, uh, but they do have some power element to them. Uh, the win streak at home is certainly notable. Um, but BYU is a ranked team itself and is coming in as the underdog, which I kind of like in this. Because not everything is tipping BYU's way, although a lot of experts are saying, absolutely, BYU's going to win. BYU's got a better quarterback and a better offensive line. I don't believe this is going to be the slog that it was Saturday night against Baylor in the trenches. BYU couldn't run and still won. But neither could Baylor. And Baylor didn't have the quarterback that BYU has. Bo Nix certainly has experience at Auburn. And uh, the OC for Oregon was at Auburn in 2019. That's the connection there. That's why I went to Eugene. Is uh, it, it, BYU's got that part of it going. Also, the experience of being in Autzen for a couple of guys I think matters. Christopher Brooks has played in Autzen. In fact, I went to a game in 2019 that I've referenced this week where I saw Cal play Oregon. Christopher Brooks scores a touchdown in that game receiving. Yeah. He's played four games against Oregon. Not a ton of success, 3.2 yards per carry. But he didn't have the offensive line that BYU has going into this game. Um, Klein Sitake at Utah and at Oregon State, notably in the Civil War, has coached four times against Oregon. He's been in Austin for, uh, it was more than that actually, at least four times as an opposing coach. So Kalani knows what it's like to be there. But ultimately this comes down to those players executing on the field. Oregon didn't have a 20 plus yard pass play against an FCS team last week. I, don't, I think BYU comes in more powerful on the offensive line with the better offense. Tons of experience. I think this is the most experienced team BYU's ever had thanks to COVID. And then uh, the Ducks defensively still figuring it out. Just two sacks and six TFLs through two games. Again, that includes an FCS team. 
I think BYU's the better team, and I think they'll show up and play like These it. aren't the same Ducks that we've watched the last little while. The one their coach left for another job. Now, they're rebuilding. These are the Ducks rebuilding. They got plenty of four and five stars, mostly four stars, um, on the recruiting thing. But um, I know they lost a five-star. They yes. did lose a five-star, yeah. and he's going back. Uh, but it, it's interesting. They haven't played well as of late. They've lost four of their last six. Got beat by Utah twice. Um, got pounded by Georgia, who's the best team in the country. But... This BYU game to them is a measuring stick for the Ducks. Sure. It, does it forgive them getting pounded by Georgia? To the biased East Coast media, absolutely it does. They'll probably rank them fifth in the country uh, <laughs> if they beat BYU. They rank, what, I don't understand those guys. Yeah, last year they should have been out of the poll for the last two months, or at least the last month. If the Ohio kept, State went in there. Carried a lot of weight. Yeah. yeah. And um, so, I, so I think they're trying to find themselves, but. But, but BYU's not walking into uh, Autzen five years ago fa facing those Ducks that were thinking about national championships and stuff. These Ducks aren't even thinking about that. They're thinking, can they compete with Utah in the Pac-12? Yes, can they win the North again? Because yeah. they have the last three years, although Washington didn't go, Oregon went in their place. And uh, the Pac-12's been ago. so bad as of late. Maybe USC rises everybody up. Perhaps. And we'll talk about that coming up with uh, John Wilner, who thinks BYU is better than USC uh, in his Best in the West poll. We'll, we'll say whether we agree later. But it's interesting because if this BYU team can't go there and do it, what BYU team could? Right. Because they're so experienced. you got the senior quarterback. You mentioned the stat we've loved this week, which is Jaron Hall 7-1 versus P5s. He's 3-0 against ranked P5s, I believe. Never has a BYU team or a BYU quarterback been as prepared to go in like this. And we're going we're gonna to address this uh, coming up a little bit later as well. Is That 1990 game, you'd think that team was better prepared than this team, right? Ranked top five in the country, eventual Heisman winner at Oregon. Uh, you know, rumor has it they uh, drenched the field before to just slow BYU down. Has BYU known for speed in that way? Uh, I don't know. No. But that team didn't go in and win that day. I... I think this team is more prepared than the traditional WAC and Mountain West teams, Dave. Not only from an extra year from COVID, but they've played schedules that no other groups in BYU history have. So when they walk into Oregon, they can pull on, no, we played at Tennessee, we played at USC, we played at Wisconsin, we've won those three particular games, we've lost our share, but we know what it takes to win, and we've got the horses. BYU has the horses in a way that I can't remember walking into a season being this confident about BYU's ability to go win this game before. Especially after beating Baylor. Now, now in right. August, it was like, okay, Baylor's probably going to be the toughest game. Uh, having we beat, thought Notre Dame. Yeah, it's Notre Dame, and, and now they're gone. But we, after, the, after the Baylor win, now it's all of a sudden, okay, well, can we, can, now we got to go to Oregon. Well, that was always going to be tough, and it's, it is tough. But this BYU team under Jaron Hall doesn't turn the ball over. Hall 7-1 against P5s. In those seven wins, three turnovers. That's it. And one of those turnovers, Tyler Algier got back. So two turnovers in seven wins against P5. At home, on the road, and on a neutral location. So if BYU goes in Saturday and takes care of the football, those are the teams that win on the road. Absolutely. So I, I like that number, and I like this team with that quarterback to go do that. I believe this game will be um, messier than the Baylor game in terms of turnovers. I think a few happen here. It's whether BYU can win that turnover battle. Because when you're on the road, you got you got to take care of the ball. And Aaron Roderick told us uh, last year in preparation for the game on BYU TV, Jaron Hall doesn't give the ball away. 
And BYU's got a nice one-two punch with Christopher Brooks. Hopefully it's a rebound game that way. And if you, you can't run on Baylor, it's okay. Baylor's front seven was super legit. Yeah. I believe that Oregon has a good defense, but not as strong as Baylor's front seven. I believe the back end for Oregon is probably stronger than the back end for Baylor. But we'll see if that BYU defense can replicate that performance, Dave, because Baylor's inability to run with an inexperienced quarterback, that combo was good. Under 300 yards allowed, 20 points allowed in double OT. That was an amazing performance from the BYU defense. Yeah, and, and the guys weren't open downfield. Uh, BYU sacked uh, Shapin four times, as we showed you on AFR on Tuesday, uh, or on the BYU TV app whenever you want. There was nobody open. They had a couple of balls. What did he throw for, 120-something yards or something? Nothing. But, but we showed you plays where there's just nobody open. Yep. And you know what? Oregon's receivers aren't any faster than Baylor's receivers. Baylor's receivers are the Big 12 champion receivers. They haven't had bad recruiting classes. Um, and, so, and they just could not get open. Can Oregon's guys just magically get open because they got an O on their helmet? Or a Nike. Not a, on the, or a Nike. Which BYU has as well. Not on this secondary. This secondary is good. The defensive line was the question coming in. Their first big test was not South Florida. They're heading 21 to nothing after three possessions or whatever. The first big test was against Baylor, and they returned four offensive line starters, and BYU sacked their quarterback four times. Uh, and then they had him running uh, a few other times. An A. What were the first test? The defensive line gets an A against Baylor, number nine in the country. Can they, we didn't even give them an A against South Florida. No. You no. know what I mean? Yeah. Can they do that again? I don't know if they have to do that again. Will they hold their ground? Yeah, that's what they do now. And they got guys behind them that hold their ground. The four linebackers, five, if you count Tanavasa, are healthy and playing great. Keenan Peely in the backfield as the quarterback. It was so interesting to watch him make sure everyone was in position. Man, did they miss that last year after he went down with his ACL. Huge difference. Now they're the going on the game. road. You know, they had a tough road game at Baylor. It was loud, a good team, whatever, and there's no Peely. You know, now they go into an environment like that, and, and your defensive quarterback and your offensive quarterback are at the top of their games. And I think that is huge in, a, in this kind of environment. We'll see, but, man, going in, I like, you, I, like, I like your confidence because if you look at the personnel – the better team is the visiting team coming into this game. Which is pretty wild. Vegas thinks otherwise. Home field getting right. some... Uh, three, three and a half yep. for home field. Yep, almost four. And you know what? Had Old Roy made a kick, Vegas would have been spot on last week as BYU was a three-point favorite against Baylor. Well then. You know, they know go. what they're doing down there. They, and home field the really is about do. three points. It matters. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Do you know who was absolutely involved the last time BYU won a road afternoon game in Pac-12 territory? Who? Malik Moore. He got his Wingstop deal against Washington State. Yes, he did. An afternoon Pac-12 road game. Malik. How about that? Malik Moore is... He is the focus of our one-on-one -on -one BYU Sports Nation all-access interview here. He also discusses the number 12 ranking, and if he's buying into that, listen to the conversation. Malik, following that just epic 
unforgettable double overtime win, which went early into Sunday morning. Uh, I'm sure it took you a while to wind down. So walk me through your sleep schedule over the last 24 plus hours. Man, it's like, I don't, I haven't even been able to get a good night. This is, this is probably my first good night's rest of sleep. Like I still didn't go to bed till 2 a.m. last night. Luckily, I don't have any classes, so I was like, I'm going to go to sleep till like 10. I'm not waking up till whenever. I don't care. <laughs> so, I mean, but that day, that night, I didn't go to sleep till about 4 a.m. Yeah. First of all, I mean, traffic, getting home. And you get home, and you're, like, so sore. You lay down in bed. There's just nothing that you can – nothing that you can really do for it. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, without question, super physical game that requires some extra sleep and certainly some added attention from the training staff. So for you, uh, who yourself, again, flying around, making a lot of hits, what was your recovery process like uh, to get right for Oregon Week? Yeah, so, I mean, there's treatments, <clears throat> treatments Sunday. So right after the game, uh, you wake up in the morning, treatments around middle of the day, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. Go in there, you know, get your hot tub in there, get your get your uh, stretch in there. Whatever it is that you need done that day, you go in there and do a Sunday. So that Monday, you know, you're back, you're ready to go. Uh, you're ready to go for practice. Um, but even before practice, you want to wake up early in the morning, get your classes done and spend a few hours or I spend a few hours, you know, before practice to get my body right. I'll uh, Get a lot of deep tissue rubs in, a lot of releases on my muscles. I don't do feel good mas massages. No feel good massages. Deep tissue massages, so they hurt. But you know, that's always the routine for me, at least. You were one of the first people in terms of players that I saw on the field after the final play of the game, and I jokingly asked you, "Hey, are you tired or something?" You're like, "Yeah, I'm tired. Fans are storming around you. It's chaos." How long did it take you to find your way safely off the field into the locker room? I couldn't. Like, they started lifting me up. <laughs> I'm over here standing. I'm trying to celebrate. And all I see is a swarm of kids running towards me or running towards the field in general. And then all of a sudden, I'm in the middle getting hit in the head a couple hundred more times. Uh, I feel my feet coming off the ground. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess we're doing it. And I'm up in a crowd <laughs> surfing. Then they put me back down. Now I'm just trying to make my way through. Luckily, I got the pads on, so everybody's, you know, a little farther away. But uh, it was definitely hard. And I'm like, everybody's storming the field. I'm thinking it's a Utah game. Again, I'm going to go see my mom, my dad, and my sisters and stuff. But they started going back into the stand. So I'm like, all right, what am I going to have to do? <laughs> so it took a good 30 minutes probably to get back to the locker room. And then even if I did get back to the locker room, half the team wasn't even in there. So I'm like, okay, well, let me go back outside, talk to my mom real quick. Then by then I was gone. <laughs> Wild experience. Uh, but an unforgettable win for sure. Um, again, you were involved in that last play. You see that ball go up. Walking through the defensive scheme and your perspective on that final play as Baylor was trying to score and extend this game. Mm -hmm. So in that, in that play, it's just a matter of, just playing, playing smart. Like a lot of a lot of people in that situation, you know, want to make the big play that's gonna, you know, get them on TV. That's gonna get them the follow, whatever it is. Like they want to do a lot, do too much. But in that moment, it's like 
it's this is a team sport at the end of the day. You do your job. So in that moment, I'm looking at the quarterback. I'm not worried about the fans. I'm not worried about what's going to happen afterwards. I don't really care at that point, you know. So I'm worried about where that quarterback's going to throw the ball to. Because if he throw in the middle of the field and he catch it, that's going to be on me. I'm not finna look dumb. So it's like I'm about to do my job. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at the quarterback and I'm getting his first look, his second look, whatever it is, and just going to where the routes are going and being there to help. <laughs> so many layers to that win for BYU. And I've uh, been talking offline with a number of people around BYU Broadcasting, BYU TV about what a what that type of win will mean for this BYU team because things didn't just go smooth. And, and I mean, it was – it was a rocky road to get to the ultimate victory finish, um, but but you found a way to do that. And so, in your opinion, how does that help you as a team pushing forward to win that type of game without some key players, with some injuries? It wasn't great. I mean, it was ugly at times. What does that do for a team? Uh, I think it just builds confidence, you know. It just it goes to show, you know, we can win these games with whoever is on the field because we all have the same agenda on this team. We all want to win games. We all want to, I'm, you know, we all want to help our families out. You know what I mean? So this is, this is really every, every game is a business trip. Every game is uh, we're locked in. Everyone's paying attention. We're disciplined. And uh, I think that, that, that game like that really shows how special this team is and how, how hungry this team is, to be honest. Um, so that game is definitely a confidence booster for all of us. Uh, undoubtedly, um, Jake, to his credit, has been so good making a lot of clutch field goals in his career. It wasn't his night, but you got to go out there and, and keep playing because those kicks don't go in. Um, so how are you handling that mentally to try and stay in the moment and, and not let the frustration of something you can't control get you down because it's super easy to fall into that mode. So what were you doing? Uh, what I, I mean, what I did, I actually it was kind of funny because I, before the game even started, I looked up to find, you know, my parents and my mom and stuff. And when that happened, um, a lot of the times you want to, you want to get in those modes. You know what I mean? You, you, you put the nail, you put the hammer on the, on the nail. It's like, you can only control what you can control. So what am I to get mad at? you know, Jake, Jake for, for missing those kicks. Cause that touchdown was dang near on me. I, I lost my eyes and the, and the tight end score. So we all make mistakes in football and kicking's not hard whatsoever. So, I mean, I looked up at my mom and I saw her face and I'm just like, yeah, this is just, uh, this is what I'm doing it for. You know, I'm praying to God like, Hey, let's get this dub. Let's do what we got to do. So that's my, my, my whole focus was just on staying focused and, looking at those things that I'm doing it for and why, you know, my why. So um, that's what pushed me to keep, you know, going throughout that game. Now BYU football's 2-0. You're ranked number 12 in the country. I know you guys are trying not to pay attention to those things, but whether you like it or not, those things resonate with the fans and they resonate with college football. And that's why, you know, we have shows to talk about it, including ours. Uh, but you got Oregon and, and you go up there and it's just like, man, we just we just got through Baylor. Now you got to turn around, you got to play another top 25 team, but this time on the road. So how do you make that 
transition mentally from the high of a win against Baylor to, okay, now it's all about Oregon. Yeah. Um, that transition is for, for us, I think it's really easy because Kalani, Kalani preaches that to us. Like we, we're not looking at the outside noises. We are focused on what we have going on. Like last year we had all these NIL deals coming up and everything. And it was like, we're not worried about the built bar. We're not worried about this. We're worried about us in, the, in these games. So that transition was cool. We all celebrated that night or, you know, during that game, everybody went home and we was all sleeping. Like we have group chats and everybody's like, all right, go to bed. <laughs> it's, it's it's a fun game. It's act like we've been here before. So let's let's get it let's get it going next week. And next week is just another business trip. You know, it's on the road, and now our end of the day game. So our focus is going to be even more. You know, lasered in this week than what it was before. We don't have time in the hotel to chill out and think about stuff. We fly out Friday, get there Saturday, and it's game time. So uh, our focus this week is just keep it going. Like we got to keep it going. We can't stop and think, Oh, number 12 in the country. That's enough. Nah. Like we trying to get this national championship game. We trying to get, we trying to prove a lot of people wrong. So, so BYU football is really, really the real deal. Uh, you bring up a great point because it is a day game um, and it's on the road how does your schedule shift to accommodate for preparing for a day game after playing such a late night the week previous? Um, I think our schedule is, I'm not sure. Our schedule is pretty much going to be the same. Um, we already practice in the peak of the heat. So that's not going to be an issue. And we in Oregon, it's probably going to rain anyway. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> we just worried about, I think it's going to rain here actually Tuesday and Thursday or Wednesday, isn't it? I don't know. I look yeah, at weather. Yeah, that rains in the schedule. Hey, I don't know. We we preparing for everything. So we already practicing the peak of the heat, like I said, and uh, our workouts going to still be the same. We're going to keep this discipline, keep the same schedule. Our discipline is going to get even more sharper. Our focus going to get sharper. So it's not really weather, a day. Yeah. Uh, weather expert and meteorologist Malik Moore is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Yes, sir. Uh, you call it, call it the rain in Oregon? Hey, Come whatever. <laughs> Coming live from BYU Sports Nation, baby. <laughs> uh, what do you know about Oregon at this point, Malik? I know it's early in the week, but what do you know about the Ducks and their offense and what they're going to try and do? Yeah, um, I believe they're going to try to – they like to use the receivers a lot. Uh, usually they run the ball um, – try to run the ball a lot, but I think that they'll probably do some of that and a lot more passing that Baylor didn't do. So um, I think we're going to have to be more, more cognizant on the pass game uh, and still stay stout on the run game. So I think that's a big thing. And uh, I don't know, I'm excited to see what jerseys they pull out, to be honest. Yeah, okay. And that, that's <laughs> always a thing. And, and you've got your own uniform combos. We learned today that you're in the all-whites, but with royal trim and the royal helmets. How are you feeling about the, the uniform combination for BYU this week? It's cool. I like the royal helmet. It fit my head nice. Okay. That that matters. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, I'm cool. I'm cool everywhere. As long as my helmet fits good and my shoulder pads is tight, I can hit somebody. That's all I care about. You know what I mean? Hey, so, hey, hey I'm worried. I like our uniforms. But I mean, Oregon. Let me see some. Let me see some fresh stuff real quick. I'm gonna. I'm gonna see some. <laughs> that, that that matters for sure. Uh, Malik, when you prepare for a team like you said, you're expecting them to be, you know, obviously more pass heavy. 
do you prefer that playing the position that you do in the secondary? Of course. I'm trying to give me a pick. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But I got I got picks last year. This year I'm just hey, I'm just going with the flow. If if a pick comes my way, it comes my way. I'm just gonna do my job at the end of the day and uh, I'm gonna stick to doing what I do best. So, you know, uh you dev it's this is definitely a DB's uh a DB's dream. Go against a team that likes to throw that ball because you get the test. You get the you get a, you get the you get a test. You know what I mean? You get to test yourself to see where you're at, um, and then you just opportunities for big plays and a lot of turnovers. And that might be the key to this game is you know wherever can get more turnovers. So we'll see. Yeah, no question. Uh, zero combined turnovers between you and Baylor, which is pretty wild. Without physically, you you two teams play against each other. But you, you know, it is such a, you know, a dramatic turn of events. Um, just just as a last question, what does it do for the defense and the team when you do create a turnover? How what is that like emotionally? Man, it's like. The, the, the momentum just shifts completely, you know, everyone goes from here to here. So it just it keeps everybody going because, you know, it kind of gives you a not hope, but it gives you a sense of uh like this is this is this is possible. Like if we keep getting these turnovers and doing what we gotta do, you know, we will win this game. And uh I don't know, the person who gets the turnover, I'm pretty sure they're feeling joyful, happy, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Excited. You know, but for the other people exactly. So but for the people around them, it brings up a lot more motivate a lot more motivation and uh a lot more hype to the game because now it's like, hey, this is a this is a game now. It's exciting. It's have fun, which is what Connie preaches. Having fun. And turnovers are fun. Yes, they are. Malik, I wish you a lot of fun, uh, whether that's turnovers or what, just overall fun in general as you push forward to Oregon. Uh, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma. So just maybe you can go get that first pick yeah, against the Ducks. You know, channel that Pac-12 road power that you, you, know, you showed so strong against Washington State last year. That's what we're looking Always. for, right? Oh yeah, for sure. We're gonna get one. We gonna, we gonna get one. If we don't get one. Hey, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a guy's plan, but hey, we're we gonna get one for sure. We're gonna get one, man. I'm praying for it. <laughs> Great stuff. Malik, congratulations on the big win over Baylor. Again, good luck against Oregon. We'll be talking to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. It's time for What's Trending. Spence, there are many factors going into this matchup tomorrow between BYU and Oregon. The Cougars' uh, first trip there since 1990, as we talked about. We're excited to talk to Ty Dentmer coming up in the next segment. So, who or what will be the deciding factor in the game, in your opinion? You know, I feel like everybody's so concerned about what BYU's offense is going to be able to do if Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney don't play again because now they're on the road. And so, so much of that attention has been pushed to, well, are those guys in? Can they play? And I get it. Like, BYU wants to have their full accoutrement of offensive weapons, but if Nakua and Romney don't play, Jerem, I'm not that concerned because I feel like the bigger difference will be on the defensive side of the ball. I feel like the key the thing that will determine if BYU wins this game tomorrow is BYU's secondary and linebackers specifically against Oregon quarterback Bo Nix. And here's why. Bo Nix is not a guy that's going to overwhelm 
the defense typically. He's a career 60% completion uh, thrower. He's got 44 touchdowns, 18 interceptions between his time at Auburn and in Oregon. And I watched his highlights against Eastern Washington. I saw five touchdown passes. Thought, wow, that is impressive. That's a nice bounce back performance for Bo Nix. Even though it was against Eastern Washington still, to come back after the debacle against Georgia, do that's pretty good. But upon further review, he's got a bunch of athletes around him that he's just throwing quick little screen passes to to try and get on the edge. And those guys are doing the primary amount of the work. And so if BYU can contain the edges and can make Bo Nix have to throw the ball down the field and press a little bit, I feel like he's mistake prone, Jerem. I think it's the BYU secondary and the linebackers holding the edges maintaining the leverage on the outside against the speed and athleticism of Oregon and forcing Bo Nix to press and try and force the ball down the field. I think that will play a huge role in tomorrow's game for BYU. Now, if they can do that, I say advantage BYU. Uh, again, he's not going to overwhelm you. He's, he's not some incredible arm. and path. He's, He at times can be pretty efficient. And I know people are saying, he, he beat Alabama when he was at Auburn. No, Auburn beat Alabama. Bo Nix didn't beat Alabama. Auburn beat Alabama, okay? So let's throw that off the table. I just, I, I feel like BYU's defense has a golden opportunity to put him in some really, really taxing and trying and tough positions to make him force the ball down the field. Uh, and, and if he has to do that, I feel like he's going to be mistake prone. So, Jerem, I am watching Bo Nix versus the BYU linebackers and the BYU secondary. As you pointed out earlier this week in an offline conversation with me, the longest pass play of the season for Oregon is 26 yards, and that includes a game against an FCS opponent. BYU, they love the idea that they don't give up big plays. If Oregon can't connect on big plays tomorrow, another advantage to BYU. What do you think? To your point, we hope Bo Nix becomes Bo Picks and that he throws interceptions to BYU. Also, Eastern Washington in that game. Oregon did not have a 20-yard completion in that game. Now, you could argue, ah, it's EWU, it's FCS, you can run the ball, you don't need that. You don't have a single 20-yard throw down the field. I imagine they'll have a couple against BYU, as Baylor did. But there was nothing deep given up by that BYU secondary, to your point. I like that a lot. I think the BYU defense is ready for this, and so I'm saying turnovers. I think turnovers is the number one factor in deciding this game. What does BYU do extremely well? They don't cough it up. Just one giveaway... Uh, in two games, and it was Jaron Hall up 38, pressing the issue, throwing into the end zone. If the game's tied, I don't think he makes that throw, so I don't really care about that interception because of when and how it happened. BYU takes care of the ball. Jaron Hall has only thrown six picks from the start of last year to now. Are you kidding me? He takes care of the rock. Bo Nix, on the other hand, has thrown five in the last seven games. So I think BYU forces some turnovers doesn't mean that BYU won't give it away. I just think BYU will be even or positive in this game. And I think the Cougars come in much better than maybe we think. I think we think BYU's playing Nike. They're playing Oregon. Oregon is certainly talented, <laughs> fast, traditionally spread, and very good skill position players. they got a very experienced offensive line. Everyone's back. BYU's a better team. Vegas thinks Oregon's favored because of location. But BYU's a better team who's way more experienced. I'm also banking on another factor that Jaron Hall will outplay Bo Nix, to your point. Jaron Hall is ready for this moment. He's going to hug the Oregon defense to the tune of some good numbers, efficiency, and, uh, and a win for BYU. I really feel confident, like last week, where BYU's going to walk in and play well. We felt good la uh, last week, Spence, reminding people that without Puka and Gunner, we still like the BYU receivers. And this is before that man, Chase Roberts, had the game of his life. Eight for 122 and one. We'll see if Puka and or Gunner can go. 
I'm not expecting either. If one of them play, great. If not, you got to feel confident that the BYU run game can do better uh, against a, a lesser defensive line, although that D-line's good. I just think Baylor's was better. And BYU's going to walk in there and be able to uh, control the tempo a bit with the run game. Is Oregon better than Baylor as a football team? Just straight, just ask I don't yourself think so. that question. I want everybody watching, listening to ask yourself that question. Is Oregon a better football team than Baylor? Certainly Oregon has a bigger facade and a yes. much bigger fan base and the, ties to the Nike swoosh. than Baylor. But are, are the Ducks better than the Baylor Bears? And I am gathering that most of you are saying, well, no. Like, Baylor's more physical. They're more put together. They're defending Big 12 champions. Like, they're back. Baylor's really good. So, why would we, as a BYU community, not look at this and think, BYU's got a great chance to win tomorrow's game against Oregon? Yes, I know that they're a three-and-a-half to four-point underdog. That's largely based on the fact that Oregon has won 29 consecutive non-conference games at Autzen Stadium. But I point out this, Jerem. What happened when BYU went into Madison, Wisconsin in 2018 with a much younger version of this team in offensive line and faced Wisconsin's 41-game non-conference home winning streak? Well, the Cougars snapped it. And what happened when BYU went into Nebraska in 2015? And Nebraska never loses season openers, especially not against lowly BYU in a non-conference showdown. BYU snapped it. This feels like a team of streak busters. They snap things, okay? This is the team largely that ended the nine-game losing streak to Utah. Why not have this BYU team be the team that in week three, they come to the Pacific Northwest as an underdog and they look history in the face and say, forget you, it's time to rewrite our own history and it's gonna happen tomorrow. Why are we so afraid of the facade of Oregon football? I, I don't get it. I know it's a national brand, but when you look at ones to ones, twos to twos on the depth chart, BYU matches up very well with this team if they can contain the edges and make Bo Nix press a little bit, getting back to the original point, advantage BYU. And if Gunner, Romney, and Puka Nakua play, all the better. If not, I like BYU's chances because I think they are mature. I think they're ready for this. They've heard all week long about all the weird things that happened in week three. They're ready, Jerem. They're ready to play tomorrow. And if the defense shows up and plays well, I like BYU's chances. Why wouldn't BYU win this game? To me, it's turnovers. If they just cough it up like they did against Boise State, certainly Oregon much better than that Boise State team. Uh, Oregon is good. I just think BYU is better and the, for all the reasons you just outlined. I also think the defense is going to show up again. This is a defense that through two games, South Florida and now Baylor, has not given up 300 yards in a game. Certainly Oregon is going to put up 300 yards, but I don't think Oregon puts up 400, Spence. And I think Oregon is sub-24 points in this game as well. I think BYU gets into the high 20s, low 30s, and that is enough to win. Uh, uh, win this game. Uh, I'll, coming up in our guarantees, I'll tell you by how much. But uh, I believe in my in incredibly biased opinion that BYU is going to win this game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, why not get to our game day guarantees, Jerem? And we've been pretty good through two weeks. I think overall percentage. You have. Well, I've been terrible. I say, I've been pretty good through two weeks. <laughs> okay. It's time for you to turn the page, right? Why not? Let you throw out the first two weeks. Let's get to the Oregon game day guarantees. Uh, and I'm on five for seven. Why not go ahead and, and keep that percentage rolling? So, uh, Jerem, I'm going to go with this. My first game day guarantee, BYU will have more passing yards than Oregon. 
on the road at Autzen. Yes, I know Oregon's offense is full of talent, absolutely loaded at the skill positions. I hear that from everybody I talk to. Oh, there's so much speed. They're so good. Then why didn't they BYU score a touchdown versus Georgia Oregon. then? They can't, they can't defend Oregon. Well, we'll see. I think this BYU defense is absolutely capable of defending the speed and loaded skill positions of Oregon. In fact, I think I guarantee BYU is going to have more passing yards in tomorrow's game than Oregon will have against BYU's defense. What do you have for your first guarantee? Bo Nix will throw a pick. In fact, he might throw two, but I'm going to say he throws one. As mentioned, he's thrown five in the last seven games. BYU is going to have a pick in this game. I'm going to join you on the Bo Nix train. I, I guarantee that Bo Nix will have at least one turnover. Now, whether that's a fumble, whether that's an interception, I feel like BYU's defense is going to get to him and is going to make him uncomfortable and make him try and make a hero play, something like that. And so I, I'm with you. I guarantee Bo Nix is going to have at least one turnover. Okay, my next one. Christopher Brooks will have a touchdown in this game. Uh, he has one receiving okay. touchdown, okay. no rushing in four career games against Oregon. And I watched that one with my own eyes Ooh. in 2019, as I mentioned. Okay, okay. Um, by the way. Discovered this nugget. So Bill Musgrave is the opposing quarterback of tight Detmer in 89 and 90, right? Those guys combined for like 900 passing yards in the 89 game. Well, Bill Musgrave was Christopher Brooks' OC at Cal the last two years. And uh, now Christopher <laughs> Brooks is at BYU playing against Oregon. How about that for full circle? That's pretty wild. Uh, the football community really is so small when you look at like just the guys that hang around and the community. That's pretty cool. Uh, I'm going to give you a third guarantee here, Jerem, and this is based on our good friend Greg Rebell. This is from his office, this stat uh, from his brilliant mind and from his research. Uh, the team leading at halftime will win this game tomorrow. Ooh, that early. leading at halftime, I guarantee, is going to win this game tomorrow, and here's why. Because I think BYU is going to win, and I think BYU should be in the lead at halftime. Uh, if that's not the case, then it, it could get weird. H here's why. BYU and Kalani Satake is leading at halftime. 38 and 5 in the Kalani era. 38 and 5 when BYU was leading at halftime. Now, in comparison, when BYU was trailing at halftime, 8 and 23. Holy cow, what a swing number that is statistically. So I think BYU is going to have the lead at halftime. The team that is leading at halftime, I guarantee, is going to win this game tomorrow at Austin State. Let's just play 30 minutes. Um, you know, we'll just get, get the most bang for our buck that way. Uh, yeah, said no one. Okay, my final guarantee. Some people aren't going to like this. I think BYU wins this game by double figures. I, I don't think BYU just wins. Wow. I, I think they win by 10+. plus. I think BYU establishes the run, wins the turnover battle, and now BYU is in the playoff conversation. Will BYU make the playoff? I don't believe that. Will they be in the running for a New Year's Six with one or zero losses? Absolutely. But again, this is a bad year for the New Year's Six at large, like we talked about. There's only one spot. BYU's going to win this by double figures. I'm feeling very confident about this. You know, I like to call it as I see it, and I'm feeling great about this BYU football team and the opportunity in front of them. Granted, if BYU loses this game, Spence, and they only have one loss all year, this is the game to lose because you want to go into the postseason on this crazy hot streak. What you don't want to do is lose later in the year, lose the momentum into the top ten and up the, up the polls. So if BYU has to lose a game this year, and they probably do, this would be the one. But I feel like BYU is going to win this game by double figures. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. 
This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Good Whip Around is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. ESPN's playoff predictor, Jerem, currently gives BYU a 2.7% chance to make the college football oh. playoff. What number does that percentage need to jump up to before you start to feel excited about BYU's chances? It's not about a percent chance of making it. It's about, well, if BYU's 7-0 after beating Baylor, Oregon, Notre Dame, and Arkansas, now I'm fully in. Up and until that point, no. Yeah, a number that seems to resonate with this audience and the community that we largely speak to is 10%, Jerem. So I'm going to go with 10%. We give a lot. Uh, once BYU gets to that number, yeah, sure. If BYU beats Oregon and then they handle their business against Utah State and Wyoming and they're 5-0 and going into the Las Vegas game against Notre Dame, then I imagine the number will be somewhere close to like 9 or 10%. And then I think BYU fans get really excited. So I'm going to go 10%. If BYU beats Oregon, they'll be 5-0, and and it's going to be close to that number. So beating Notre Dame and Arkansas would be a generous fast offering at that point? Is that what I have to understand? Is Cosmo versus <laughs> Puddles the best possible college mascot matchup of the year? Uh, it's pretty much it's up there, my friend. The only reason it's that might not be number one is because it doesn't feature Big Red, the Western Kentucky University Hilltopper mascot, right? He's, he's like, if it's not Cosmo, it's, it's Big Red as the other greatest mascot. But Puddles is great. I love, I love Puddles the Duck. Um, yeah, it's a top three matchup all year. It's a fantastic mascot matchup. It's, yeah, I, I don't think it can be beaten. Uh, I, I have some great Northwest bias Ooh. here, but like Cosmo is the greatest all time. There's a massive gap, and then there's other great mascots that include Puddles the Duck. Yeah, I mean, look, think about like Brutus, who's the mascot for Ohio State, and then Notre Dame's mascot. Like seeing those two, like in they're week iconic, one, but that, they don't that do was anything. Cool. Like that. To... Ah, fair enough. Fair enough. What and do we're they talking do? Talking about like mascot performance. Yeah. Like Cosmo Goat for sure. Like so, I'm with you on that. We're going performance based. It's Cosmo and Puddles. All right, Jerem, let's keep this thing rolling. As we turn our attention to BYU women's volleyball, the 15th-ranked Cougars beat Utah last night. Huge road win. With that win, snapping the three-match losing streak, has BYU officially righted the ship? I think they have. Those three teams were all in the top ten. One of those was at home. One was neutral. One was road. BYU has UVU tomorrow night. Then they're into conference play, which, by the way, Pepperdine beat number six Minnesota uh, two nights ago. And San Diego has two top 10 wins on the year. League play is going to be tough. You have four matches against teams that are pretty good. I think they've righted the ship, and now they're coming back home for uh, UVU and conference play. Yeah, if you get a road rivalry win like that and, and have to go into extra points and a couple of sets to do so, I, I feel like they're back. I feel like BYU is back on the women's volleyball front. So I'm with you. I think they've righted the ship. They got good mojo going into West Coast Conference play. Did you hear that? I think that was Joe Tessitore saying BYU women's volleyball is back. Crazy. After a tie with Utah State and a loss to Utah Valley, does BYU soccer need to salvage some Beehive State pride tomorrow against Utah? One million percent. BYU women's soccer absolutely has to have this win. Not a tie. They cannot settle for another tie. They have got to figure out a way to win this game so that they can rediscover what that winning feeling really is. I think they just forgot. Like this team has so much talent, but when you get in a funk and, and you forget like how to win games and close out games, things can get really weird. Things are weird right now. 
They just need to lock in a win, and if they can do it against longtime rival, all the better. Like, one million percent. They need this win to break out of the funk. Let's get weird. I think it's weird that the team watched Workaholics together because, yes, you're right. Defensively, it's been tough, giving up a bunch of goals. Just the one, but it was late last night. Utah has given up zero or one goals the last six games, longest streak in five years. So it'll be a battle uh, Saturday night, but a good one right here on BYU TV at 9 Eastern time. Yeah, they just got to close out a game. They have not been able to do that. Close out the game. Uh, speaking of closing out games, Kansas City did so against the Los Angeles Chargers last night. Andy Reid and his Chiefs beating Kyle Van Noy and Michael Davis on the Chargers 27-24. After the game, Andy Reid was seen hugging Kyle Van Noy and whispering something in his ear. Jerem, what was it that Andy Reid said to Kyle Van Noy? He said, for Brigham. Or maybe he said, do you remember the 2012 Poinsettia Bowl? That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure he whispered in his ear, Hey, do you think that Kalani would accept me on his staff at any point? Because I'd love to be an offensive analyst. I'm pretty sure that's what they were talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, they could pay him the same. Yeah, There's yeah, always yeah. room for Andy Reid. There's, There's always room for Andy Reid to be an BYU's offensive analyst. BYU's pipe dream since 2001. Although, that was legitimately a possibility. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Well, the Cougars played the Ducks back in 89 and 90. The most recent meeting was 06 in Vegas, but they had a two-game series that Ty Detmer played in. He now joins us live from uh, Arizona. And uh, great to have you back on the program, Ty, as we talk about BYU and Oregon. Some people said, hey, we don't want to talk about the 90 game, so we can just talk about 89 if you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd prefer to talk about that one myself, but... You know, I mean, they were they were ready for us. A uh, little revenge factor. Um, you know, I didn't practice all week that that year. I had a hand injury, and so we kind of showed up, and we didn't play very well. So a lot of people accused them of wetting down the field and making the turf slippery and all that. But uh, bottom line, they were ready for us, and it wasn't uh, wasn't our finest hour that year. Let's talk about 90, and then we'll talk about 89, shall we, since you went there. Um, you walk in ranked fourth, 4-0, obviously, the Miami win. A Washington State comeback that people forget, which is unbelievable, 36 points in, in that quarter, which uh, for a long time was the most in a quarter until I think App State against North Carolina put up like 39 or something. It was crazy. You throw for 442, two touchdowns, five picks five times. Why was 90 so different from 89 other than, as you mentioned, you had a hand injury, which is a big deal for a quarterback? Yeah, it, it uh, you know, it was just kind of one of those things where we'd beat Miami, we'd come off of, you know, a great comeback against Washington State, and then we just kind of fell flat a little bit in Eugene. But like I said, that, that was a tough stadium to play in. Um, you know, the crowd was really into it. Uh, we just, you know, we were outmatched that day emotionally. Um, they were ready to go. And uh, we just kind of came in and, and felt a little bit flat, but we just didn't come in with our best day, and, and it showed. So one of those games. You talked about uh, the alleged drenching the field before the game. So did it happen or <laughs> did it not, Ty? I don't think it did, but, you know, we came in with, different turf shoes on and, you know, kind of the flat bottoms and you really probably needed the nubs. So you'd have to talk to the receivers and <laughs> DBs a little about that. But uh, I wasn't known for my burst, so I probably didn't slip much. I was more of a mutter anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, then we flash back to, uh, and in 90, you overcame that to win the Heisman. It's not like, oh, they didn't work out, you lost. <laughs> Nowadays, I think if, if that performance kind of happens, you maybe slip back a little bit. Great timing in 90, you took care of business there and obviously win it later when that's the only loss you have going in uh, to Hawaii. But we flash back to 1989. Uh, this is a game where you had to score 24 points in the fourth to win it. 470, three touchdowns. Bill Musgrave threw for 489. I've read that at the time that was the NCAA combined record What do you uh, for passing yards from two quarterbacks. What do you remember about that one? Yeah, that was a shootout. Uh, they had a, a All-American corner, um, and Odom, I believe, was his last name, and he was a guy that you know we had to kind of watch out for. And I think Jeff Franson ended up catching three or four TDs on the guy, and uh, you know it was it was a fun game because it was a you know a comeback at the end. And but they had good teams then. You know they played good football. They were wide open with Bill Musgrave and. Um, you know, they, they had athletes, so it wasn't really any different than it was nowadays. You know, they, they had guys that could run, could play, putting guys in the NFL. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was a fun day because we were able to come back and, and uh, have a comeback win that night. Jeff Franson, as you mentioned, 10 for 188 and three. Basically, that's what we call a Chase Roberts <laughs> around these parts. That was a tremendous <laughs> performance. What did you think, um, and before we get to Baylor, Tell us about playing in Autzen. You mentioned the crowd, and they've been good for a long time. Certainly they emerged in the 2000s even more with Chip Kelly and Marcus Mariota and the spread and the speed and the, the, the zone read uh, running. What is it about Autzen and that crowd that makes it difficult to play in? Well, you know, they'll be ready for BYU after coming off the Baylor victory and ranked uh, high now uh, in the polls. They're going to they're gonna be ready. I remember, you know, when we showed up, they had all the tie-dyed shirts, and it was tie-dyed in Eugene. And <laughs> so uh, it was pretty clever, you know. But they're a great crowd. The student section, you know, gets into it. They love their football there, and, and they've been successful the last few years. So, uh, you know, I think you see what, what Georgia did to them, and that probably lit a fire under them maybe that they were thinking they were too good. And, and uh, probably a wake-up call for them. So it ought to be a really good game. Um, I know they'll be ready for BYU, and just the type of atmosphere they have there will be great atmosphere to play in. They're good. It's just how good because they played Georgia and Georgia's amazing. Like you mentioned, it's hard to it's hard to assess any opponent of Georgia at this point. And then they play Eastern Washington. They have 40 first downs, a program record. They score in the first nine drives. Those two uh, disparate uh, performances, it's hard to assess as a as a, a high school coach and former college coach, of course. How, how do you, would you assess a team, Ty, like that, where you don't have kind of this average game? You have kind of the, the low and the high there. Well, you take a little bit of the between for both. You know, uh, Georgia really just, I mean, they came out of the gate and jumped on them, physically beat them down. And uh, then Eastern Washington, you know, like I said, that was probably a wake-up call for Oregon, and we got to do better and a great week of practice. And all of a sudden, you know, they were the dominant team. And so you kind of – Take a little bit of both and, uh, you know, probably somewhere in the middle there, but probably closer to what you saw last week. So, um, you know, they'll have a lot of pride and, and with BYU being ranked higher than them, they'll they'll want to come out and have a great showing. And, you know, BYU's coming off an emotional win, double overtime against Baylor. So it, it's a little bit of that catch game, you know, kind of like we had in, in 1990. 
Absolutely, and it, that was the first top 10 win at home since Miami, which is pretty crazy to think about. We revere that win as the greatest win in program history, and we hadn't had a win like that since until Saturday, which is crazy. We're talking to Ty Detmer on BYU Sports Nation. Ty, what did you think of BYU's performance against Baylor? Because there was a lot going into that game, given the Big 12, given the ranking, given uh, Baylor's performance against BYU last year, and the Cougars pulled it off. It was a minor miracle. <laughs> Well, I, I think it was a solid win for the program. Uh, you know, Baylor's a, a great football team, and so had chances to win it a little earlier, and uh, didn't work out. But they hung in there, showed that that grit and that will to win, and uh, came away with the the W in double overtime. So it's a, it's a great way to start and and a great victory at home. And now you got to back it up to to prove you know that's a credible victory. So this will be a big game for them as well. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.